Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome back for another installment of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, the talk that makes your body rock. Now, we've spent a great deal of time getting very intimate with each other, but just in case you're new to the show, I am the naughty mistress with the mostest, the melodic goddess of getting it on, and the deviant diva, Naughty Nicole Delacroix. And the only thing that I will ever ask of you is that you keep an open mind, put aside what you think you know, sit back and relax, and we will run down this crazy road of life together. Don't forget, orgasms are nature's way of saying life sucks ass, but have a little candy. Now, before we jump into today's topic, I just want to make sure that I remind all you listeners out there to make sure that you visit our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys. Because if you're in the market for an adult toy, or maybe you need help finding just the right toy, then head on over to Adam and Eve Toys. And guess what? By being a renegade listener, you're going to get one hell of a deal. Use special code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, you're going to get 50% off of one item, but that's not all. You're also going to get free shipping, three choice adult movies to help get you in the mood, and a very special Renegade listener gift. And let me tell you one thing. The folks over at Adam and Eve Toys, they really know how to treat you right. So head on over today and pick out something really naughty. All right. On today's episode of Big Trouble in Little Vagina, we're continuing our diversion down that side path from our normal routine to look at that forever intertwined world of sex and politics. This week, though, we're going to be leaning to the left in honor of the Democratic National Convention. That's right. Once again, we're looking at sex and politics today, and we're not going to be holding back because, as I've said before, sex is a dirty business, but politics is even dirtier. And you do know how I love to get down and dirty. So we're talking the Democrats this time. It's no surprise to see Hillary Clinton, former First Lady, Senator, and former Secretary of State, taking a run for the White House. It was inevitable. 
I mean, really, the only question in my mind was the when and where of it all. Those who love her make her into a veritable saint, and those who hate her turn her into the consort of Satan himself. But the truth of the matter is that she's proven to be one hell of a shady lady, and in my opinion, would be the absolute worst choice for president. I know, I know, this news is something the progressive and feministas of this country will argue tooth and nail against, but railing against the truth doesn't change it. What they cheer and jump for joy for is a pro-war, pro-spying corporationist who takes dirty Monday and does even dirtier work for corporations who profit off the American people's misery. I'm not sure what hold this shady lady has on the American public, but so many voters and supporters have seen fit to conveniently look the other way to some of her more shady dealings. So, here's a small sample of the half-truths, missteps, tongue twisters, and flat-out lies told by Slick Willie's equally shady wife, Hillary. During the 2008 presidential campaign, Clinton claimed that she landed in Bosnia under sniper fire during the 1990s. The truth of the matter is, videos uncovered of then-First Lady Clinton's arrival in Bosnia showed a very calm scene without any obvious danger. Hmm. In an interview, Clinton stated that she came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. The truth is, PolitiFact rated Hillary Clinton's claim as mostly false, that she was dead broke when she left the White House. A few weeks before they left the White House, the Clintons were able to muster a cash down payment of $855,000. That's right, $855,000 in cash to secure a 1.95 million mortgage. Now, I have to say that I kind of wish that I was this dead broke that she speaks of, but that doesn't sound like broke to me. Secretary Clinton claimed that her email server was set up in accordance with the rules and regulations that were in effect. <laughs> well, truth is, uh, the federal judge said Hillary Clinton violated government policy when she used a private server to store official State Department messages. But there seems to be one set of rules for the Clintons and another set of rules that's for the rest of the American public. Maybe just my observations. Secretary Clinton emphasized the famous Situation Room bin Laden photo captured her reacting to the helicopter crash. Well, the truth is, in actuality, Secretary Clinton said early spring allergy coughs, not the helicopter crash, were responsible for her reaction in the photo. Really? Okay. Oh, here's one of my favorites. Passing DOMA was a defensive action to prevent further action against same-sex marriage. And in case you don't remember, DOMA is the Defense of Marriage Act, which was a law that was enacted back in 1996 that defined marriage as 
that between a man and a woman, and it was deemed unconstitutional in 2013. Yeah, those Clintons, they're a great supporter of the LGBTQ communities. The truth is, independent observers say that any fair historical analysis shows that DOMA was a campaign tactic by the Clintons. In other words, they didn't defend it. They defended it because it was good for their political careers. In an interview, Hillary Clinton declared that the veteran affairs scandals are not, and I quote, as widespread as it's made out to be, end quote. Yeah, the campaign was certainly forced to walk that statement back because the veteran affairs scandal is way worse than we thought it was. All right. In response to questions about her tenure at the State Department, Hillary Clinton claimed that there was a long list of her accomplishments. And the truth, given multiple chances, Secretary Clinton has been unable to, pr- to name a proudest achievement from her four years as Secretary of State. Now, in addition to these falsehoods, there have been many other examples of the thoughtless and manipulative decisions made by Clinton. In 2003, she voted in favor of the Iraqi invasion that killed and maimed thousands of American troops, as well as contributing to the killing of a million innocent Middle Eastern civilians. She voiced her regret about that vote in her memoir, stating, and I quote, I thought I had acted in good faith and made the best decision I could with the information I had, end quote. But the vote contributed to one of the worst foreign policy disasters in American history and is indicative of the mess that Clinton loves to make. Worse than simply voting badly, she did all of this while still cashing checks for defense contractors. In her run for the presidency against Barack Obama, Clinton got more money from defense contractors in one quarter than Mitt Romney, Barack Obama, and Rudy Giuliani combined. To appease donors, Clinton is on record for supporting possible war with Iran and increasing the defense budget. Her record of supporting war and making a huge mess out of the countries that we go to war with is shown in how Libya was destroyed with Clinton's help. During the Libyan Civil War, both the DOD and CIA balked against intervention, but that didn't stop Clinton from pushing for it, citing her husband's failure to stop the genocide in Rwanda. After the country was blown apart, Clinton's State Department lacked the resources and preparedness to assist in the formation of a post-Qaddafi government. Clinton's campaign is certainly pushing for the female vote with issues like the gender wage gap, but as a supporter of women's issues, she should be careful of who she accepts money from. While she led the State Department, the Clinton Foundation accepted donations from foreign governments to include Qatar and the United Arab Emirates. In Qatar, marital rape is legal, and women are expected to be nothing more than housewives. In the United Arab Emirates, a Norwegian woman who was raped was sentenced to 16 months in jail for the crime of extramarital sex think about that for a moment. Not only did this poor woman experience rape, then she was sentenced to jail for 16 months. 
The courts in the UAE believed a rape woman lied to them and threw her in jail for having, in their view, an affair, which is against the law. And it gets even worse for women in the tiny Arabic country of Qatar because men are legally allowed to beat their wives. Feminists who will vote Clinton because she's a woman, who is supposed to supposedly a champion of women's right, will be voting for a woman who actually betrays women. Now President Terry O'Neill endorsed Clinton's candidacy by writing, Secretary Clinton's candidacy is a powerful message to girls that they can aspire to the highest office. Which is great, of course. But those aspirations are squashed in countries like Oman and the UAE and Qatar, where women are not even thought of as human. Taking money from these countries that abuse women shows the world that when it comes to cash, your integrity and the rights of others are negotiable. In addition to all of this, she is a friend to big banks who destroyed America's economy, driving families from their homes and out of the workforce. Search her name on Open Secrets to see her major donors are banks like Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, and J.P. Morgan and Chase. The Clinton Foundation has taken money from Goldman Sachs, with Hillary giving two separate speeches at Goldman Sachs conferences. Her pro-corporate leanings are shown in campaign dollars from law firms. One donor, Kirkland & Ellis, represents massive corporations like Pfizer, Dow Chemical, Raytheon, and Fannie Mae. All right, my dear listeners, we're just getting started with today's topic. And before we get too far into it, we do need to take a moment to visit with our sponsors and possibly check out a little music. When we come back from the break... I'm going to do a little side-by-side comparison of Trump and Hillary. And don't forget to check out Sky Pilot Radio for the best of the 60s, 70s, and 80s in music form. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. Meet me back here, my little heathens, after the break. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, this is Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I am Naughty Nicole. And today we're a little bit off the beaten path as we're talking about sex and politics. 
And I hope that during the break, you took some time to visit our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys, to check out their wide selection of adult toys, movies, and more. Now, before we left for break, I told you I was going to do a quick little side-by-side comparison of Trump and Clinton, and I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible, so bear with me. We're going to start with ladies first, and go ahead and start with the shady lady herself, Hillary Clinton. And of her political aspirations, she was Secretary of State from 2009 to 2013, She was senator for the great state of New York from 2001 to 2009, and she was first lady under Slick Willie himself from 1993 to 2001. She is currently 68 years old and the presumptive Democratic nominee. She was educated at Wellesley College and then Yale Law. Her campaign slogan, in case you didn't know, is It's Your Time and Hillary for America. Her strengths. She has got a huge amount of experience in government and politics. And she has the chance to make history by becoming the first United States female president. Her weaknesses. She's seen by some as a throwback to previous generations. She also faces accusations that she is untrustworthy and out of touch. Her secret service name is Evergreen. Yeah, I'm not sure where they got that one. Her quote is, Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Well, now she should know, since she makes a point of always being on top. Alright, now let's take a look at the orange fuckface von Clownstick, I'm sorry, Mr. Donald Trump, the Republican nominee. Now, Donald doesn't have any political background, but he has been chairman and president of the Trump Association, oh, for about forever. Like, you know, before his face was orange. So 2016 is actually Trump's first official foray into politics, and you gotta cut the guy a little bit of slack, because for his first political foray, he didn't go small, he didn't try to be the mayor, he didn't try to be on the the board of of whatever he went straight for the big enchilada he went straight for the presidency and if you think it's easy to be nominated as president it's not he not only got a major party's endorsement but he has held on to that endorsement and i hate to say it looks like he may take home the prize but we'll have to wait until november to find out for sure all right his age since we went with Hillary's, he's 70, and of course he is the Republican nominee. Now, he was educated at the University of Pennsylvania and has a master's degree in business. Never went to law school. His campaign slogan, as if you didn't know, was Make America Great Again. His strengths, well, there's the name recognition, and he's got some deep pockets. He has a no-holds-barred style, which has excited the grassroots who believe that he's a fighter and fights for the underdog. 
His weaknesses are his brash statements have caused a lot of controversy and accusations of incitement to violence from his supporters against protesters and other and other um, sections of the country. His self-appointed Secret Service name, because technically he doesn't have one yet, is Humble, which was revealed in CNN's Republican debate. Yeah, I'm not sure that he's humble at all, but okay. His quote, I'm the most successful person to ever run for the presidency by far. And if you get this reference, you get bonus points in my book, but you know what, Clyde? Let's see how this all shakes out first. Now, after the RNC, the front pages of most major U.S. news outlets were dominated with one topic. Melania Trump's speech during opening night of the Republican National Convention. And while everyone was debating a talk that was rife with apparent plagiarism, the flurry of media attention toward it is likely tearing your attention from some other pressing stories. So here are five developments that you may have missed while that sophisticated juggernaut that is corporate media obsessed over Melania Trump. The UK's newly appointed Prime Minister, Theresa May, announced in Parliament that she would not hesitate to authorize a nuclear strike that, open quote, could kill hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children, close quote. May added, And I have to say to the honorable gentleman, the whole point of a deterrent is that our enemies need to know that we would be prepared to use it. Given that militant jihadists would typically welcome a nuclear holocaust, this statement reveals who the U.S.-U.K. ruling class is willing to use their nuclear deterrence on. Okay. This week alone, U.S.-led airstrikes in Syria have reportedly killed at least 85 civilians. At least 11 of those killed were children. Air Wars, a collaborative not-for-profit transparency project aimed at tracking and archiving the international air war against Islamic State and other groups in both Iraq and Syria. Yeah, that's a fucking mouthful, isn't it? Said this has been the absolute worst week for civilian deaths since the U.S. coalition began conducting aerial warfare inside Syria approximately two years ago. The U.S. coalition has remained relatively quiet on this front, merely stating that they'll investigate the allegations. Well, they never said when, did they? Turkey has launched a major crackdown on dissidents inside the country following a failed military coup attempt. Following that failed coup, Turkey reportedly detained or suspended as many as 50,000 government employees throughout the nation. This includes the suspensions of thousands of police officers and a systematic purge of the armed forces and the the judiciary. The 50,000 figure also includes an attack on the education system. The Turkish president has requested the resignation of all 1,577 university deans and has canceled the licenses of some 21,000 private school teachers. Yeah, that sounds really fucking democratic there, Turkey. Okay, moving on. 
video footage has emerged of a U.S.-backed rebel group beheading a child, reportedly as young as 10 years old, in the Aleppo province of Syria. The Palestinian boy, who was captured from the In El Tal area, an unofficial Palestinian refugee camp, was accused of being a pro-Assad fighter. Are you kidding me? He's fucking 10. Anyways... The video appears to show the rebels taunting the child before they ultimately cut his head from his body. The emergence of the footage once again puts to rest the idea that the U.S. is backing any moderate opposition within Syria, as anti-media has reported numerous times. Hell no, we're not moderate at all. Our last story that you may have missed... Following the recent blowback against American police officers, which has seen civilians directly firing on law enforcement, officers around the country are set to adjust their strategy. I should fucking hope so. They intend to change tactics and adopt measures that will guard against events like the recent Baton Rouge and Dallas shootings. These new tactics include two-car response to all calls, pairing up officers, suspending solo patrols, increasing surveillance, and increasing the number of helicopters that fly above cities. Note, none of these strategies acknowledge the public's request that American police officers refrain from summarily executing unarmed civilians in broad daylight, fueling centuries of racial tension and laying the groundwork for an all-out civil war. Do-do-do, that's the end of the news. The current Melania Trump narrative highlights some of the grossest aspects of modern-day American politics. Namely, U.S. elections have become a circus with the sole purpose of entertaining those of us with a television set. The media's fervent focus on this story demonstrates this fact. However, when a magician wants to show you a trick with his right hand, it's important to keep at least one eye focused on the left to be sure you're not missing anything. All right, my precious listeners, I'm going to give you a moment just to soak in everything that we've said so far, and we're going to take some time to visit with one of our sponsors again. So take a moment and check out what they have to offer, and meet me back here after the break. I'm Naughty Nicole. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. You're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. And welcome back, my Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Big Trouble in Little Vagina. And I am Naughty Nicole. And today, we've been talking about sex and politics. Now, I hope that during the break, you took some time and checked out that vast selection of adult toys, movies, and oh, so much more over at Adam and Eve Toys. Now, I know I've been a little heavy on the politics the past couple of weeks, and that was really just in celebration for the Republican and Democratic National Conventions. I promise you, next week we'll get back to being just as naughty as I've always been. But between you and me... I kind of need a break from the politics. So instead of diving into yet another monologue filled with politics and scandal, I decided that I was going to look to the stars for hope and inspiration. (laughs) I'm kidding. 
I looked for the best and wildest stories about outer space and aliens that I could find and something that I thought maybe you listeners would find a little interesting or entertaining. So, here we go. First up on the list, Stephen Hawking. Oh, my favorite physicist in yours has suggested that aliens almost certainly exist, but has warned humanity not to try to contact them. Well, personally, I'm pretty sure I'm from another planet. (laughs) Horny (laughs) is where I'm from. That's right. I have no problem contacting my, my people to come and get us. Okay. One of the world's leading scientists makes the claim in a new television documentary series beginning on the Discovery Channel next month. Hawking says that in a universe with 100 billion galaxies, each containing hundreds of millions of stars, it's unlikely that Earth is the only place where life has evolved. Speaking to the UK's Sunday Times, he said, To my mathematical brain, the numbers alone make thinking about aliens perfectly rational. The real challenge is working out what aliens might actually be like. Yeah, you know, I thought I might try that little robot voice he's got going on, but I thought it was a little bit disrespectful, so we're going to just not do that. Hawking says that they could be microbes basic animals such as worms which have been on earth for millions of years but suggests that extraterrestrial life could have developed much further we only have to look at ourselves to see how intelligent life might develop into something we wouldn't want to meet hawking says i imagine they might exist in massive ships having used up all the resources from their home planet Such advanced aliens would perhaps become nomads, looking to conquer and colonize whatever planets they can reach. Somebody apparently saw Independence Day. The scientist, who is paralyzed by motor neuron disease, warned that contact with alien life could spell disaster for the human race. If aliens ever visit us, I think the outcome would be much as when Christopher Columbus first landed in America. And that didn't turn out too great for the American Indians. But I'm guessing that we might actually read the small fine print on our contracts. Okay, that was bad. I happen to agree with Professor Hawking. We are scary creatures, to be sure. And I'm sure that any E.T. that comes close to us is going to go running in the other direction as soon as they meet us. All right, next up, a fascinating story of time travel. I know. Awesome. In a video, Al Bilek discusses what he remembers from his six weeks spent in the year 2137 and the two years he spent in 2749. Now, first off, the video, when I found it, was like an hour and 20 minutes long. And I thought, okay, I'm only going to get through like 10 minutes of it because it's going to be like wacky and crazy. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to be like, okay, he's, he's insane. Turn it off. Seriously, I got to the end of the video and I was like, seriously, there's not more of this shit because it was awesome. Seriously awesome. Just go to YouTube, look it up. Al Bilek. It's B-I-E-L-E-K. It's freaking awesome. It you just you just have to listen to it because it's amazing. Now I will I will stress one thing. Um, there are many events he describes and 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 
by the way, Mr. Bilek has actually passed away in like 2003 or something like that. So this was this is a video from a really long time ago, and I just happened to come across it. But it's interesting because he was saying all of these things way before the dates that he was mentioning. So he was actually predicting some things, and it's interesting because he was right on a lot of it. So, um, and it's interesting because some of the events that he's describing for our current time frames are actually happening, like the New World Order takeover and the devastating climate change just to name a few so seriously it's like an hour and a half long if you've got like nothing to do just like turn it up turn it on on your phone and just like you know on the treadmill or something listen to it anyways so Al Bilek was a member of the Montauk Project, which was a series of U.S. government projects conducted at Camp Hero or Montauk Air Force Station on Montauk, Long Island, for the purpose of developing psychological warfare techniques and exotic research, including time travel. If you ever saw the movie The Man Who Talked, The Men Who Talked to Goats, that was the Montauk Project, part of the Montauk Project, but it was a lot of ESP and things like that. Dude, it was the 70s. They were really fucking high. I mean, just come on. Anyways, Jacques Vallée describes allegations of the Montauk Project as an outgrowth of the stories about the Philadelphia experiment. Al describes what he remembers when he jumped off the USS Eldridge on August 13th, 1943. Ironically, the date of the Philadelphia experiment. Al found himself, along with his brother, Duncan Cameron, in a hospital of the future for roughly six weeks, recovering from radiation injuries. They state that the medical system of the future used vibrational and light treatments. The TV programs were all educational and news programs. Haha, <laughs> you mean Friends didn't make it and Game of Thrones was over? Oh, man, the future's looking bleak. Okay, that's where he noticed that a lot of earth changes had happened and had caused some geographical changes somewhere starting in the 21st century and ending somewhere around 2025. So made a little bullet list here. So we're going to just go over some of the interesting stuff. The coastlines and interior of the U.S. and Europe were drastically different from the way that they are now. The water level had risen and Florida had been reduced to the panhandle only. Atlanta, Georgia was only three miles from the ocean, which is great news for me because I live outside of Atlanta, which means the beach is going to be a lot closer now. Yay! The Mississippi became an inland waterway and the Great Lakes had come together to be one large lake. The U.S. infrastructure had completely collapsed completely. I'm guessing that's somewhere around November 2016. The U.S. and Canada were no longer referred to as nations. Ironically, no mention of Mexico. A loose form of local mar martial law existed as of 20 2137. And central government was gone completely. The magnetic poles of the Earth had started to shift, but in that particular timeline, an artificial pole structure had been created to prevent the collapse and reversal of the magnetic poles completely, and as a result, the poles did not flip. 
which is funny because if you know anything about, um, you know, this, the alternative histories and things like that, there's actually a rumor that there, there is going to be this great big pole shift that's supposed to be coming up. So interesting. The worldwide population had been reduced to 300 million and the U.S. population was around 50 million. Far cry from the 3 billion that we have now. He claims that between 1954 and 2000 that the U.S. government had been working alongside of aliens to acquire technology, both back and forward engineering those technologies. Somebody say Area 51. Okay. The problems all began between 2003 and 2005. The New World Order was taking over the planet, but a war develops. Hmm, sounding interesting. At some point, a war will break out between the Russian and Chinese and the U.S. and Europe. And a number of U.S. cities will be destroyed. And the New World Order will collapse. Now, the government currently has technology to reduce radiation damage and nuclear waste within a few days. But even now, we'll refuse to use it for political reasons. But in the future, that technology is used to clean up the radiation left from World War III. Al then finds himself inexplicably in the year 2749 for about two years. He talks about what he learned when he was there, then for some reason is taken back to 2137 to pick up his brother Duncan, and then they're both taken back to 1983. There were ground-based and floating cities, and these floating cities could be moved to different parts of the Earth. There was a synthetic intelligence computer system that ran everything. There was no government. It was a huge crystalline floating structure that could interview them telepathically. Anybody else thinking Skynet? Okay. And the structure of society was completely socialistic. The basic needs for survival were taken care of for everybody. So, long story short, aliens are real, but we don't want to meet them unless we're, you know, stealing their technology. That just kind of makes me think of that old Twilight Zone episode where aliens come to Earth and everybody's so excited to meet the aliens. And some chosen people are chosen to be taken back to the alien planet. And there's something about a book that says to serve man. And somewhere around the end, we find out that it's actually a cookbook. Yeah, that would be kind of how it would happen. (laughs) All right, we've come to the end of yet another episode. And I hope you enjoyed today's ride and maybe you learned something or maybe you just like listening to me talk. Either way, don't hesitate to let me know what you think. And I would love to hear from you. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com, or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you're liking what you hear, then make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional Confidential Admissions from Social Media. It's available on Amazon.com and all other major booksellers. 
That's our time for today, and I want to thank you for joining me for Big Trouble in Little Vagina here on Renegade Talk Radio. And make sure you join me next time and see what kind of naughtiness that we can get into. Until then, remember, in the immortal words of Roger the Alien from American Dad, one day I'll solve my problems with maturity. Today, however, it will be alcohol. God, who do you have to probe around here to get a Chardonnay? (laughs) See you next time, my little heathens. Until then, mwah!